You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hey, hey, this is Jess O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist here with the love of my life, Mr. Brendan Ware. I'm glad that I'm the love of your life. We're going to be talking about body language and the way body language shows up in dating. Brandon is currently doing martial art moves. It's body language. Mm, okay. The way body language shows up in, in dating and in relationships in times of eroticism and in times of conflict. And I was thinking about my own body language and I appear very femme. I, I wear heels. I wear dresses. I have long hair. I, I wear a bit of makeup. And if you look at my Instagram photo feed, you'd, you'd describe me as feminine. But interestingly, I was looking through some of the photos from my recent speaking engagements. So on stage, speaking to crowds, and I noticed something totally different. So these more candid shots that are not curated, like my Instagram feed, I stand with my legs wide apart. My hips are really open. My shoulders are back and wide and broad. And, you know, I look dominant. And it's interesting because people comment on on my confidence, on my supposed masculine energy. So on one hand, I know I convey femininity in the way I dress and the way I pose for photos. But when I'm in real life, like I, I think I really feel like myself on stage, uh, I'm somebody entirely different or I'm conveying something different. Now, I'm not a gender essentialist. I I totally realize that nurture plays a role in the way I adjust my body language. So when I'm on stage, I want to feel powerful. And I wonder if there's a part of me that wants to be perceived as masculine to desexualize myself because I'm talking about this topic that is so sensitive and sometimes it's just relationships but still people know I'm a sexologist. I fear being harassed because even when 99% of the audience is totally cool, it only takes one guy to sexualize me, to really kind of squash me like a little bug. And so I wonder if I change the way I speak, the way I stand, the way I move my body and assume these power poses to detract from the possibility of being sexualized. I just like that you said power poses. Because it <laughs> makes me think of Amy Santiago in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Nine-Nine! Taking, <laughs> taking that course on power poses. And so I was thinking about you and body language. And I was thinking that sometimes when we fight... Well, my body language is not good when we fight. I cross my arms. <laughs> I close up. I know that I do because I've paid attention to it. And I've made the effort to try to seem more open in arguments, but it's my default is to kind of close up, to not allow you in and to allow you access. But I do notice that when I'm walking, I made a, a conscious attempt to have better posture because you, Jess, have the best posture when we're sitting at a table. I'm guessing it's the Suzuki method piano lessons where... I don't know. Do, do they hit you if you don't sit upright? Is that what it is? Uh, I'm just kidding. No. So I started Suzuki Method Piano when I was a little, little girl, and posture was a big part of it. So your legs basically bent at a 90-degree angle, and they put a footstool beneath you so that you could sit perfectly 
erect. So my posture is all about erections. <laughs> and, and I took piano lessons and posture was not something that we focused on. So but how about erections? I'm all about erections. You are yes, all definitely. about it. Sometimes I'm like, you're a teenage boy with your erections. Really? Yes. I get the NRBs. No reason boners. That's the scientific term. It NRB. is the scientific term. I'd like to talk about your friend, uh, Mike, who used to get the NRBs in math Listen, class. in high school, you can't wear silk boxers. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you just, you can't. Luckily, boys, it gets easier. Yeah. So posture, though, for me, I feel confident. I feel most confident when I'm walking down the street and I do take a moment to think about my posture and kind of push my shoulders back to stand up straight and to smile. And when I do that and I'm walking down the street, I might mentally, I get into a different headspace and I feel better about myself. I feel more confident. So I can imagine how uh, body language and dating and relationships conveys much the same when you walk in the door and, and you act that way or you, you you exude that confidence and that happiness. Well, and we say confidence is sexy and I, I, I see the allure of it and I, I certainly find happiness um, attractive. But at the same time, I wonder, do we want to seem overly confident? Do we also want to show vulnerability? So we need some help with this. Absolutely need some help. Big we, time. We oh, need hold a, on. Are we talking NRBs or are we talking body posture? NRBs. I wonder if people missed it. No reason boners. No, we're talking body language. We need an expert to help us out. So joining us today to help us decipher our own body language and communicate more effectively with our bodies, for better or for worse, is Karen Donaldson, communication and body language expert and certified confidence coach. I need one of you, Karen. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Jess. Now, I want to begin with conflict in relationships. And I see conflict as a, as a very positive interaction in many cases, especially I think for a lot of the couples listening. They, they use conflict to improve their relationship, to better understand one another's needs, to adjust their behavior moving forward. Having said that, even with these positive intentions, what mistakes do you think many of us are making when we engage in, in disagreement or conflict or arguments with our partners? A really good question. Now, when we're in the midst of a conflict or one of us is feeling uncomfortable, one of the biggest mistakes both sexes make is that they don't maintain eye contact. You see, here's the thing. When there's conflict, we are uncomfortable and we have to become vulnerable. And the way that we show our vulnerability is completely through our eyes. So the quickest thing to do, Jeff and Brandon, is to look away. And then you're not being open to your partner. So we have to maintain eye contact because we can see so much. And that's how we truly connect with each other and see each other's emotion. So no more looking away. You must maintain eye contact and, and keep it there and hold it throughout the conversation. Uh, this is interesting because oftentimes when we're arguing, I'll say to Brendan, like, look at me. But I think that the way I request that eye contact is maybe too aggressive. I'll be like, look at me when you're talking to me instead of <laughs> saying, you know, look me in the eyes so that I feel like you're paying attention to me. But that's also me knowing that not making eye contact is a yes. sign. I, I don't want to say it's a sign of, it's a sign of disrespect is what it is, right? If I'm not providing you with um, that common courtesy of making eye contact, it sends a clearer message, doesn't it? No, you're absolutely right. See, it 
can send one of two messages. It can send a, you know, it can be intentional and it's totally, I'm not going to look you in the eye. I don't even want to hear what you have to say. So it could come from that place, but it, it could come from that place of being, you know what, what you're saying is absolutely right. And it's hard for me to say yes, or it's hard for me to agree. So it comes from one of two places. So, so that's what you have to think of. But when you're in a relationship, you've take, you've made a promise to be open with each other. So is it a conversation around, are we building or are we building apart? And just in reference to what you said, Jess, you know, it comes down to requesting. We don't want to request. We want to come from a place of how it makes you feel when they do look you in the eye and how it makes you feel when they don't look you in the eye. And when we express it like that and we don't ask or demand or request, people are open to receiving that. So it's something to think about because in the heat of the argument, that's the last thing you wanna do is you know, be connected and be polite, but you wanna come from a place of taking control and taking ownership of how you feel and how what they're doing is making you feel. That's how we shift that, dy that dynamic and confrontation and argument mode. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I, I think in any conversation, if you say, when you do this, it helps to put me at ease. Or when you look me in the eye, I feel as though I'm more comfortable expressing myself. If you can get to the underlying feeling in any conversation, any yeah, intense right. conversation, the person you're talking to is going to be more responsive. But I do think it's important too, because you, you said take control. And what I think people might take out of that comment is the idea of taking control of the conversation. Whereas I'm assuming you're alluding to the fact that you want to take control of how you're interacting, your behavior, your, your body language, and your communication with your partner, not control of the situation. No, absolutely. That's a great distinction, Brandon. You're taking, the only thing we have control over is ourselves. And in a relationship, it's hard to think that because you want what you want the way you want it. But know that you have no control over anyone else. So when I say control, just as you said, Brenna, it's about you. That's all you have. So if you can control that and control just sharing how you feel truly and authentically, that's when things shift. So it's not control the situation. The situation is, is its own entity. You only have control over yourself. But I think that there's this idea that when you control the situation, that you are the person in power and that you are the person who manifests your own destiny when, I mean, I want to do this all the time. I want to control the outcome and letting go of that control and realizing that I can only control my own behavior and my own, uh, my communication. It, it, it sucks. Let's be honest. Like <laughs> you want to control everything, but, but you but, realize you can't. But it doesn't suck because it allows yeah. you to be vulnerable. And when you open yourself up to that vulnerability is when you connect with your partner. And some people really take, offense to the fact that I say that happy couples fight and happy couples argue. But I think it's the way I see arguments as something to help you improve the relationship. Whereas if you see arguments as an opportunity to win, to have a winner and a loser, those arguments aren't going to be particularly constructive. No, you're absolutely right. Here's the thing. There has to come a point where we agree to disagree. I was recently having a, I work with couples all the time and I work with a lot of men as well. And control is a big issue. And let's be real, you know, men like to take control of situations and the battle comes in where the female, and this is, I'm 
just basically saying this as is women want to take back control and say, you know, you don't have control over me. And as you shared, when we become open, we let go of the, the need to be right. Things shift. Arguments are a great thing because that's where we learn about each other. That's how we learn what works, what doesn't work, what we need to do next time. If the both of you are open to receiving what each other says. And that's the big thing. We listen and we hear, but we don't actively listen. A lot of the time when we're, we're hearing what our partner is saying, we already have our, our next striking words ready. So we haven't even received what they've said. And that's where part of the issue lays. Are you actively listening to what's being said? Or are you ready to strike back because you're, you're in a mode of defense, right? And so how do we really hear what our partners are saying to us? How do we become active listeners? And how can we show with our body language or with our facial expressions that we really are listening? You mentioned eye contact. What other specific strategies can people employ, not only to help ourselves, but to convey that commitment to really hearing to our partners? Here's the first thing. It has to be a choice. That individual has to make the choice that I want to be a part of this relationship and being a part of the relationship means being present during the arguments, just as I'm present during the happy times, but open. And here's what I mean by open and, and how body language plays into this. When you're having a conversation, if you're, when you're having a disagreement, once, number one, it needs to be eye to eye. Forget about texting. Forget about doing it over the phone. We need to feel and see people's emotions. Number two, you need to be facing one another. So if you think that you can sit on the couch and you can sit in the chaise over there, that's not going to work. Your complete bodies should be fully facing each other. And what I mean by that is you want your shoulders square to square. And you might say, Karen, that's kind of specific. Yes, it is. And that's what's needed because then we can read what's, what's happening with people. The other thing you want to read is you want to look at each other's shoulders. When people are getting tense, uncomfortable, or if they're holding something back, you'll see the other person's shoulders raising towards their ear. And remember what I said, it's, an, it's a choice to have an open conversation. And at that point, I often tell people, when you see your partner's shoulders raising, you want to pause and ask them, is there something that you'd like to share or something that you'd like to say? Because there actually is. That's a sign that someone's holding something back and they may not ever say it. So if you're going to be that open and you're going to be a part of this conversation and be an active listener, an active participant in building a relationship, you want to take that cue and stop your ranting, maybe at that moment, or stop your sharing and give them an opportunity because you see that's a clear body language cue that they're holding something back. And other than that moment, they may not get a, an opportunity to say it. So eye contact, square shoulders, and watch that cue of the shoulders going up and allow that person the opportunity to share at that point. I appreciate that reference to noticing their cues because I don't think I would have thought of looking for their physical cues. And I think that's an opportunity also to reach out and even just put your hand on their leg Definitely. or offer to relieve Definitely. tension in their shoulders. Because I think there are some listeners who will take this information and really want to comfort their partner when they, when they see this physical cue of the shoulders rising. And then there are some people who will use that cue against their partner and say, well, now I can see you're getting tense. And I think this is a really good reminder that if you see your partner becoming tense, if you know they're holding back, it's your role as a partner yes, to reach out and 
facilitate the release of that tension, not to accuse them of the tension, not to chastise them for it. But one of the most important times to be physically affectionate is during times of tension when appropriate. Every, every couple's a little bit different. Okay, but I want to chime in here because we're talking about the heat of an argument, facing one another, paying attention to the cues. Personally, when we get into an argument, I get flooded. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I am so consumed with whatever the argument is or whatever it is. And oftentimes trying to prove my point that for me, I can tell you right now that I love all these ideas, but even just trying to implement a few of them has taken me years of learning to argue and argue correctly because I still don't do it right all the time because there's so much happening in that moment. And I still Mm -hmm. do this reptilian part of my brain, I think still goes back to, I want to defend my position. I want to prove that I'm not wrong. I want to eat my mate or okay. Maybe (laughs) not that far. I'm not an alligator does that, but you know, I, I'm I'm flooded and I've got so much on my mind that it's hard for me to think about, okay, am I facing my partner? Am I looking for body cues? Am I actively listening? So what do you propose as the, the most important thing to do when you're in an argument from a body language communication perspective? If I had to focus on one thing, what would you suggest? I would start with this. Number one, you have to make the choice that this is something that you want for your relationship to be open during times of arguments. Because if you can't even choose it, I don't even wanna talk about what we can do about it. So you need to ask yourself as an individual, what am I choosing, right? So when you make that conscious choice to say, you know what, I'm gonna try this out, then we can go into that one thing. And that one thing I would say that you would need to do is completely make eye contact. It is the most difficult thing to do when you're heated, but it, shows it says so much to the other person so you're choosing to okay i'm going to stand my ground i want to win but is winning bigger than building the relationship so it's choice and that number one thing would be eye contact that's why i always say do not argue over the phone over text over email over whatever it'd be eye contact brandon that's the one number one thing because here's the thing brandon and jess when you see your partner hurting, if you truly love your partner, you will step back. You will pause. Because if you're in your relationship for the right reason, you, don't, you do not want to be the one to make your partner hurt. And you see hurt through another person's eyes. That's why it's I eye contact. I, I completely agree that I don't want... When I see Jess hurting, I don't want her to hurt. And it completely exactly. changes my approach. Definitely. Um, to, to the argument or to the debate. Yeah, and and we know that the looking into one another's eyes and gazing releases oxytocin. So not only are you reading their emotions, but you're connecting chemically. So I, I really appreciate that. And I think I I could do more of that in in an argument to let to let my guard down. Now if we were to shift from couples to single daters. Mm-hmm. Body language must play such an important role in dating. And I'm wondering, how do we, first of all, how do we balance conveying our own confidence, but also showing openness and vulnerability on a first, second, or fifth date? Well, here's the biggest thing. If you're on the first date, you're somewhat assessing if you like the person. 
So you definitely want to stay open. You want to stay pleasant. For a woman, here's what I'd say. If you are attracted to that gentleman, once again, having your body face them. Another quick thing is to tell someone that you're into them is you want to make physical contact, maybe even standing side to side, putting your hand on theirs, hand on the shoulder. There is just something that happens when we, there's that human touch that passes from one person to another. So that's one way you, to let someone know that you like them is just simply touching them. And it doesn't have to be the hand. Like I said, if you're sitting beside each other, it could be knee by knee, thigh by thigh. For gentlemen, for around staying open, once again, we do not want to cross our hands over our body in any way, shape, or form that someone somewhat shows that you're closed. So you want to be casual with your smile, and you, you kind of want to show up as, a, I'll say it, an alpha male. You know, women want to, just from <laughs> the, the caveman days, women look for someone who can, whether we want to admit it or not, someone who can protect us. And there's a physicality component about that. So we are looking for that gentleman whose shoulders are not slumped over, whose back is erect. And not to say their chest is protruding out, but they're standing upright, their, their head is shoulder level. So they're looking proud because we want someone who likes and feels proud of themselves because that's what women are attracted to. Yeah, I, I see that as attractive for all genders, the, the, not just pride, but the, the confidence. And the research yes. continues to confirm that people of all genders, of all sexual orientations are attracted to people who are confident. Now, yes. in a dating scene, are there cues that we misread? So there's subconscious body cues and there are body cues that everyone notices. Uh, some of the subconscious body cues are coming back to eye contact. When people look away, that means they're into you, right? When someone glances and they glance away and they glance back, that's something that a lot of people know. But if you don't know, that's what you're looking out for. If someone's taking a second look, you want to proceed because that's a let's talk some more cue. Another subconscious cue that uh, a lot of people miss is when we are walking towards someone, if it's a scurried kind of step, and this is more so for the man, most times it is what it is. The, men is, the man is coming to have a conversation with the woman. And what men don't realize, when you take a scurried short step, it makes you look like you're not confident. When you take a confident, intentional stride to walk over to the woman, she's open to receive you. So you may not know it on a subconscious level, we don't want the man who looks a little bit sheltered, a little bit weak, the one who looks like he's in a rush, not intentional with who he is, but the one who comes over proudly, confidently, your strides matter. So intentional, long strides. So your stride, gentlemen, this is for you. Your strides as you walk over to talk to that female makes a difference. Woman, we see it, but we don't notice it because it's subconscious, but it actually happens. I'm going to take it up a notch. Next time I go to a business meeting, a yes. business meeting, I'm going to do lunges. On the <laughs> Lunge your way um, over and win that deal, babe. Oh my goodness. You know what I always say, Jess and Brandon, just think about if you've ever worked for an organization or you've been in a meeting with a senior leader and let's just use the example. The senior leader is the CEO is a, is a man. Have you, when was the last time you saw that CEO, C-suite executive 
Russians scurry themselves into a room. Never, right? So it comes with an air of leadership as well. They're always walking with intention. So that's what I bring back to. And when you think of the person scurrying, okay, the person who's working underneath that CEO or C-level suite executive, and that goes for both sexes, but we're talking about dating and that subconscious cue. So it's interesting to me that we want to convey confidence, but we also want to be likable. We know the research shows that we need to also show vulnerabilities. So I like the balance of the confidence with the body, the openness with the eyes. And of course, you know, body language, there's some science to it and there's some art and there's, you know, part of it is evolutionary and I'm sure part of it is cultural. Part of why I might scurry into a room has to do with messages around gender that have been ingrained in me from a young age. And I I know I I certainly walk with confidence. I notice when I walk next to Brandon, even though he's so much taller than me, I have this long gait and I always notice I'm like, I always try and walk at your gait. I have short legs. I'm all neck. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Right. He's like 10 inches taller than me, but it's all in his neck. (laughs) But I'm doing a lunge the whole way. So I look really confident. All right. Now, before we let you go, I've been reading some body language cues from various blogs and magazines. And I want you to just, if we can do a quick fire round, you can tell me if these are true or false and if you have any additional commentary. Uh, Are you open to that? I sure am. Okay, so first and foremost, true or false, real smiles show up above the mouth, meaning if you really mean it when you smile, you see it in their forehead, their eyes squint a little bit. Is this true or false? It's very true. Real smiles involve your whole face, not just your mouth. I look like a goof when I smile for real. I love it because Brandon's eyes are never open. Yeah, you can't you can't see. I'm like my whole face is contorted into like a three inch space. Cause you happy. Cause my cousin That's a is good a sign. Yeah, my cousin's a photographer and he's like, Brandon, can you try and keep your eyes open? <laughs> okay, it. so this one is true. Uh, yes. true or false. Leaning in during a conversation means you're really interested in what that person is saying. It's true. And here's the thing about that. You have to remember when we talk about body language, and I also talk about this in my Speak Confident app, but nonetheless, you have to take things based on the situational situation. So all these body language cues are situational. But in general, if you're having a meeting or it's a one-on-one conversation, leaning in does mean that you are interested. It can also mean intimidation, but if it's a casual conversation where no one's angered, it does mean that you're interested. And so should I be conscious of whether or not I lean in or should I just allow my body to act as, I don't know, it feels like doing in the moment? So there's two gauges to that. So once again, just jumping back to body language needs to be read situationally. If you're having a casual conversation, just go with the flow. When you're having a casual conversation, no one's really assessing your body language. I I usually work with my clients either in the dating scene or in the professional scene. So sometimes when I work with clients and it's a meeting, we're very intentional about when we're leaning in. When we're trying to get an idea across, when we're trying to get someone to adopt our idea, we're leaning in to show that we are part of who they are and we want to be a part of what we're doing and that's how we help them win the accounts right so it's either intention but when it's casual just just be yourself 
And when you're leaning out, it means your breath stink. <laughs> <laughs> That's one sign. <laughs> okay, true or false, the feet point where the heart wants to be. No, not where the heart wants to be. The feet point to whether you are in or out of that conversation. If that person's invested in the conversation and, and they're interested in it, their feet will point in the direction of that person. If that person is over the conversation, they've had enough, or even, okay, I need to go, their feet will point in the direction that they would like to go. I have to work on this one. So I often, to be fair, I, I talk to a lot of people and I'm in a room or I'm at a cocktail party or people are talking to me and after an event. And I notice that I'm trying to make sure I talk to everyone. And so I'm not always fully in a conversation. So one thing I've become more conscious of is bringing my feet back toward right. the person so that I can be engaging with them because there's no point in being there 50% because it's not like I'm moving on to the next person anyway. Right. Um, and it's not that I don't want to talk to these people. It's more that I want to make sure I get a chance to talk to everyone okay. who is either waiting to ask a question or who has shown support af after a speech. So th this is an interesting one for me. And then mm -hmm. finally, if you're talking <laughs> to someone and they touch their throat, this suggests that they are really engaged in the conversation. They are seeking deep communication and showing vulnerability. Does touching your throat show vulnerability sounds kind of weird touching it like I'm <laughs> myself but like what am i doing because it could also be super weird and creepy right like is you talking a gentle caress <laughs> see here, here's the thing throat touching throat touching i wouldn't say specifically throat touching when we as whatever gender touch our face and i would include our neck in that that means there's some nerves or we're showing vulnerability or there's some emotion in that. So on, in a dating scene, when someone touches their face, they're interested. There's a little bit of nerves and that nerves, I would always say, re relates to butterflies in the stomach. So they're into you. That's what it means in that dating scene. Ah, a little bit of sexual tension there. You got it. Oh, I said it was the last one, but I actually have one more. This is, <laughs> I remember I was asked to give this advice many years ago. I used to comment on a television show for Cosmo TV called mm -hmm. Love Trap. And Love Trap was a hidden camera show in which the host would secretly set up one person with another person on whom they had a crush. So they, you know, put these two people in a room and they'd be in a, a painting class and somehow they'd separate them from the rest of the group. And it would be the job of the crusher to reveal their crush to the crushee. And then the host would bust out and say, hi, you're on hidden camera. <laughs> and I, I had to comment on the interactions, including body language, which was not my area of expertise. But I remember somebody asking me to say, if they touch you above the elbow, it's a sign that they're just being friendly. If they touch you below the elbow, it's a sign that they're into you. No, it's the waist. <laughs> if they touch you below the waist, <laughs> you're loving it. Right, get straight to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So is this true or false? Well, here's the thing. When you talk about above the elbow, that is more a professional, I like you as a friend. You know when, when people talk about, okay, do they want to continue to date you or they, do they want a friend platform? Above the elbow is definitely 
I like you as a friend. Below the elbow is definitely, I like you beyond just a friend. I'm more on a relation, relational level or I have feelings for you, definitely. So kind of the closer it is to the fingertip, um, it comes to hand holding. So our primitive days, what we do to connect is we hold hands. So as we go further down, the more the person likes you. So above elbow, they kind of think you're a friend. Below the elbow, there's something else there. There's a little bit of a spark. The more the wrist, the finger is okay. They're trying to see something to you. So that is correct. Okay. So those producers at Love Trap knew what they were talking about. <laughs> they did. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being with us. You have an app called Speak Confident, which is available on the App Store and Google Play. So you can check that out, folks. You have a bestseller, Speak Like You Breathe, straight talk to say what you mean, be heard, and get noticed. And you have a body language mini course, which I'm interested in, Body Language Deconstructed, How to Read Other People's Body Language and Master Your Own. And people can check this out at Speak confident.com. We really appreciate your being here with us today. That was a lot of fun. Oh, thanks so much. It was an honor. And anytime you're ready to decode the body language, I'm here to assist. Okay. I'm going to have to send you the next time a TV show asks me to, to read body language. I'm sending them your way. <laughs> anytime. Thank you so much again. Thank you. With each of these conversations, I like to think about how it's going to change the way I think or behave moving forward. And Based on Karen's insights, I know I want to be more mindful of how I walk into a room. Now, I think I do it with confidence, even though I don't do lunges. You know that I'm laughing, thinking about everybody walking with a lunge just to exude confidence. And work the butt cheeks. (laughs) Two and one. Two and one. You get a bubble butt and you look confident. But I know I walk into a room with some confidence, but I'm sure that I also scurry sometimes because I either feel rushed or pressured or I want to show people that I'm kind of at their service. And what resonated with me about Karen's insight is not only that my body language conveys important messages to other people, but also to myself. When when I adjust my eye contact, I'm not only conveying to you, babe, that I'm open and and empathetic, but I'm conveying and reminding myself that I want to be open. When I walk into a room with a solid stride, I'm not just conveying confidence to other people, but I'm reminding myself that I'm worthy of that confidence. So moving forward, I'm going to be less concerned with how other people perceive my body language and more focused on how my body positioning and my body language makes me feel. I want to be, I guess, less concerned and less self-conscious and more focused on how I can make myself feel. I think that's most important is how do you want to feel? Because I want to be confident, but I also want to be vulnerable to people because I think it shows who I really am. I, I, I feel confident, but I also am not so confident that I it doesn't matter what you think or I need to exude this A-type, I hate that, but like this A-type personality where, yeah, you know, I'm never wrong, confidence till, you know, next year. Well, and I struggled with that as a woman because I guess I am a bit of an A-type, but I want to play that down because as a woman, as an A-type, you aren't necessarily rewarded in the same ways as a man like you, like a handsome, white, tall, 
businessman business isn't perceived similarly to a mixed race young Listen, I got sexologist. Priv- <laughs> I've got privilege for days. I get that. I don't even need to. I, I know that people assume that I'm confident because of the way I look. I probably haven't even had to open my mouth and people just assume that. Right. And I do feel it. And, and they assume that you're smart and they assume that you're successful. It's interesting for me because people will literally say to me, uh, you do that for a living? And they'll say, uh, do you make a do you make a living at that? They kind of scoff at not only the work that I do, but what, what the most interesting thing to me is that people will come and challenge my authority and oh, do you really have a doctorate? Well, what did you study? Did you know what qualifies you as an expert? And they they'll do it right to my face. Uh, we were in Vancouver a couple of weeks ago and people would come up and, and say, well, she's not, she's not a doctor. No, she doesn't have her PhD. And it's because of the way I look and it's because of the way I'm dressed. And and I doubt that they would do that to me. It's so interesting. You don't have a doctorate, but if you called yourself Dr. Brandon, I don't think people would come up to you and ask you, the, challenge you in the same way. Dr. Beware, Brandon Ware, <laughs> Dr. Beware, best doctor name ever. I, I'd be kind of skeptical. Yeah. They'd still prefer it to Dr. Jess though, because, because I'm a, a young woman and because of, I, I think, my build and the way I look and my dresses and my heels. Yeah. I, I thought Karen said some really interesting points. I mean, I learned that eye contact at all times is very important. In, in, and I'm talking about the context of you and I and this relationship. When we're in an argument, I do find that I'll occasionally look off to the side and not make eye contact and it's not because I'm trying to be sexy or (laughs) anything like that I'm clearly conveying a message and I want to be empathetic in an argument so maintaining that constant eye contact I'll I'll be mindful of that the next time we're in an argument so I I thought that was a really interesting point I I don't think it needs to be constant I just think it needs to be consistent yeah you mean like weird constant where I'm staring through you or staring you down Uh, I thought that was really interesting. And then also the other thing that I learned in this conversation was touch above the waist. (laughs) (laughs) I think she said above the elbow. Uh, Just kidding. I will. I promise not to touch below the waist (laughs) ever. Yeah. I mean, you could, like Karen was saying, you can deconstruct so much about body language, but I get flooded in arguments and, and personal arguments. I'm not talking about business discussions or debates where I feel like I can maintain a level head um, because there isn't the same emotional attachment. When someone disagrees with me at work, I'm willing to, I am willing to listen. I am willing to hear their perspective. I often find that when I listen actively in a business setting, not always, but oftentimes I feel like it actually strengthens my position because I've come in with an informed decision beforehand. I mean, I'll certainly pick things out of the other person's commentary that will may change how I how I approach the situation. But anyway, but within the context of this relationship, I think being an active listener is very, very important. Yeah. So we've got our changes moving forward. Hopefully you've taken something out of this conversation to change the way you think or the way you behave. If you have questions, we look forward to hearing from you. So definitely hit us up, sexwithdrjess.com and happiercouples.com, wherever you're at. Have a great week. I hope you're feeling confident, looking confident, walking into a room like you deserve to be there and you deserve to take up space. And if you're like Brandon, lunge your way in. Lunges for days. If you lunge your way in, send us that video. Yes, please send it. I would love to see that. Thanks so much, folks. Have a great one. 
You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. <laughs> 